Hey guys, you're listening to episode 8 of the Finish Line podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today we're going to be sitting down with Stephanie Hobelman, who shares the perspective of a spouse who might be a little hesitant to dive in after first hearing about the Finish Line pledge. I'm really excited for you to hear her story. Let's dive right in. guys, welcome to the show. My name is Keelan Hobelman, and I'm here with my co-host and brother Cody. And today we have a wonderful guest here with us, uh, Cody's wife and my sister-in-law, Stephanie. We're very excited to have her on the show. And Cody and Stephanie have been really close to my wife, Allie, and I, and we have walked through this whole finish line process with them side by side. It's been really interesting to watch their story unfold. You know, Cody and I we're talking about the finish line concept and and about the finish line pledge very early on and and it took a little time before uh, Steph kind of entered the picture as as Cody and Steph started to work out what a financial finish line might look like in their own lives. I know you guys all got to hear Cody's story in episode 2 and he shared kind of his walking through exploring the idea of a finish line and starting to implement that in his life and Steph really offers the second half of that story. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear what she has to say. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you guys to check out the Finish Line Community Facebook group, where you can find other people seeking to honor God and experience deep joy and purpose in the way they handle their money. This kind of lifestyle happens best in the context of community and relationships. So check out the group on Facebook when you get a chance and find more people like you. All right, let's get this show started. Welcome to the show, Steph. We're really glad to have you here with us. I think, you know, we, we heard Cody's story back in episode two, and you really have the other half to that story. And uh, I think your perspective is one that a lot of listeners will be able to relate to and a lot of listeners' spouses who are kind of along for the ride maybe at this point will really be able to relate to. And so I'm excited for you to be able to talk through what some of this process has been like for you and and what life looks like for you now. So why don't you just go ahead and get us started with just telling us a little bit about where everything began for you. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, And I'll be telling our side of the story today. So around the time Cody and I got engaged, we were working with a pastor who was going to marry us. And we had a lot of conversations about what our relationship would look like with Christ and Christianity and involving baptism. So at first, like I was with the finish line pledge, I was hesitant to get baptized because I felt like someone was telling me I had to. And that was something I wanted to make the decision for on my own. So it took a lot of personal reflection and reading the Bible, listening to what other people had to say from their perspective but not wanting them to tell me why I had to do it before I could make that decision for myself. I got baptized probably about a a little less than a year before we got married. And from that time to when we actually got married, we had a lot of conversations about what money would look like in our marriage. So 
as Cody is your financial planner and your saver, I was definitely the spender. I never was really taught growing up how to save money. At this point, I didn't even have a credit card. I just got money and spent money, and it was the cycle that it was. So after we got married, I think money was probably one of the hardest conversations we had over and over and over again. When we finally felt like we had a handle on our money is when I feel like you and Cody started talking about the finish line pledge. And my brain was like, all right, here we go again. (laughs) So I know in episode two where Cody shared a lot of his story, he really talked a lot about the process of tithing and how that decision to tithe really was an important step in his faith and also in how he viewed money. What was that step and that process like from your end? So right before we got married, I started tithing because one of the sermons said you had to tithe, but I wasn't tithing 10%. So that was a really big step for me individually. I think I was tithing like $10 a week, and it was definitely the act of tithing, giving away that money to the church. I didn't understand why I was doing it other than someone told me I was supposed to be doing it. So after we got married, Cody and I had a lot of conversations about what tithing would look like for us and what that 10% would look like for our family. When we first got married, I was working a part-time job and going to school. So 10% of my income really was not that much. I think a lot of the times that Cody comes to me with ideas, no matter what they are, I'm always all for them. I think Cody has awesome ideas. But I also think sometimes it's easier for me to just say yes and let him run with them instead of having those difficult conversations. So tithing for me, even to this day, I know it has to be done. I understand why it's done, but I don't see it happen. So it's not something that's very difficult for me because Cody sets it up in the account and it goes out before I even see the money come in. When I graduated from grad school, actually right before I graduated from grad school, I got a job as a full-time teacher, which is a huge pay raise compared to a part-time teacher's assistant. And immediately Cody looked at me and said, we have to up our tithe. And being the person that I am, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We definitely should do that. You should change it to 10%. And it wasn't until he told me how much that was that I kind of was like, wow, that's tough, but it's something we have to do. So when Cody shared earlier, he talked about how you guys kind of jumped right in at 10% as opposed to kind of gradually working your way up to 10% like some people might do and how it took a little bit of time for that to start to feel normal. Was that kind of a shock for you as well or Or do you feel like that started to feel normal pretty quickly? In my opinion, the way that my brain works, I prefer to kind of just rip the Band-Aid off of things. I think the places where we're struggling the most are where we have to backtrack and make changes. So if we can just do it right away, it's kind of better for me and how I view things. If it was going to be 
slowly giving away more money, I think that would be a lot harder for me. I am definitely someone that hangs on to things. I think I have a gift card that a student gave me in 2016 because I (laughs) am always like, oh my gosh, maybe one day I won't have enough money to buy lunch when I really want to buy lunch one day. So if I hang on to this gift card, I will be able to buy lunch that day. And I think that stems from the way I used to spend money. I would always be waiting for that next paycheck to get more money. So if I have a gift card, I won't ever be in that situation. And I can see that that is not a healthy way to manage money. And if I were to let that control the way that we tithe, I think it would be a lot harder for me to continuously let money go in little increments. I just need to get rid of, not get rid of it, but give it away. Yeah, make one big decision up front as opposed to a hundred tiny little decisions along the way. Absolutely. Cody, I'm interested to hear your perspective of, you know, when you decided to start tithing at a full 10%, what was that process like kind of sharing that thought with Stephanie? Yeah, like you said, I talked about it a little bit in episode two. I started tithing about a year and a half before we got married, and I approached it the same way that Steph's talking about. I just, out of obedience, jumped in at 10%, and there was an adjustment period, but eventually, within six months or so, it started to feel normal, and I was adjusted to that 10%, but I didn't see the need to grow in my giving or generosity from there until I really started to get into it with Steph. And that happened when we got engaged. And obviously when we got married, I actually combined finances and we had one account income coming in from multiple sources, her job, my job, and all expenses coming out of one account. We had to have conversations about everything in our financial life. So I I took the approach that it was not negotiable, that we had to tithe at 10%. That was the definition of a tithe, and I was already used to doing that. So it really wasn't a huge back and forth. It was just kind of, uh, you know, we've both made our faith the focal point of our lives. So when we understood that tithing is a demonstration of that faith, we were able to just do that. And as a financial planner and, and having my brain wired the way it is, naturally the lion's share of personal financial management in our family fell to me in in some way. I kind of enjoy that. So it worked out pretty nicely. So you guys are both pretty much on the same page right from the beginning when it comes to tithing. Yeah, I think talking about 10% was a little easier than actually looking at the dollars for Steph. <laughs> you might <laughs> agree with with me on that. Yeah, that's true. So it was a decision that we had to make up front upon getting married. And it's not a decision we have to remake every time money leaves our account or every time we get a bump in our salary. It's just been made from from this point forward. And uh, I do just want to make the point that I, I think that process of kind of shielding yourself from the actual numbers is is totally fine. And, and Allie and I both do that in our own lives in a bunch of different ways, having stuff kind of automatically go to this account or that account so that you just never kind of feel that band-aid getting ripped off each time. And I think that's actually a really useful tool that we can use as Christians to help guide our ability to give and to 
you know, detach our grip from the money that comes into our, our hands. Yeah. I was always worried that if I wasn't watching it happen, am I truly doing it with good faith? And I spoke to lots of other Christians who do the exact same thing. And that was really reassuring. Yeah, I agree. So let's skip ahead a little bit to the point where Cody and I started to really talk pretty frequently about the finish line pledge and a lot of the concepts that have to do with that setting a financial finish line and starting to give all the excess above that finish line away. Uh, I know we heard Cody's thoughts on that kind of process and story, but I'm interested to hear, Steph, where you first started to hear about some of that idea and, and maybe some of those early conversations you had and kind of the uh, natural response that you had, either in your heart or actually playing out in conversations that you guys had. Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, you and Cody were spending a lot of time planning, and I just thought it was really cool that Cody was really excited about something. And I think it took me a while to really understand what it meant. When Cody first started telling me about the Finish Line Pledge, he presented it as this idea where we were going to get to give money away. And I loved that idea, being someone who is constantly wanting to help other people. It wasn't until we really sat down and talked about it that I understood what it meant for us. I think I mentioned earlier that I am someone that is constantly saying yes and just cheering Cody on with his ideas before fully listening to them. So when Cody came to me and said, we're going to pick a percentile and anything we make above that, we're going to give away. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, are we near that percentile right now? And he said, no. And I was like, okay, great. So we can just move on with what we're doing, right? We're good. And so I don't think I fully understood what it meant until I got this new job, I got this huge raise, and we really approached that percentile. And I'll be completely honest with you, I looked at Cody and I said, I think we might need to raise our percentile. <laughs> and we had a whole conversation about it, and Cody wanted to know why I felt that way, and I didn't have a good reason. I just was thinking, well, we're close to this point where I have to give all the rest of the money away, and there's still a lot of things that I want that I don't have yet. And so we had to have a whole other conversation. Spoiler alert, we did not change our percentile <laughs> because I realized I was approaching this from a very selfish standpoint. And I had to think of it in the way of I'm not giving my money away, I'm giving God's money away. And while that's something that I still struggle to wrap my head around, actually living tiny, generous acts of giving are what really helped me understand what this whole thing looked like and how being able to give away stuff makes me feel so much better than filling my house with things that I think I want or things that other people have that I get jealous about and really understanding what this whole thing is 
by living it and not just listening to what Cody has to tell me about it. So it sounds like the process was a lot similar to kind of when you guys dove into the 10% tithe, where the, the concept of a, of a 10% is easy to wrap your head around. But when you actually see the dollars, then it really starts to get real. And when you guys were talking about setting a financial finish line, it was easy to get on board with the, kind of the overall concept. But then when it, when it really came time to, to draw that line and to, and to kind of walk through the implications of that, then it started to get a little more serious. And I think that that process that you guys shared about of kind of setting a finish line that's a little bit in the future and then actually getting to that point and having that desire to push that finish line back a little bit, I think that's probably universally experienced by anybody that sets a finish line in the future like that. Because, you know, that's the point where it really starts to become real and it's not uh, just a future goal or an idea. And so I think that that process of you guys kind of talking through and really sitting down and flushing through, why do we have a finish line and how did we pick it initially and all of that process and then ultimately deciding not to change it at that point is where things started to really get set into motion for you. So I'm interested to hear a little bit about what life has been like since then after setting a finish line. And like you said, after your income jumped quite a bit when you became a full-time teacher and you guys are now up close to that finish line. And I'm just interested to see what life kind of looks like now. Now that we're both working full-time jobs and we're approaching that finish line, I think it feels different, but at the same time, it doesn't. We are still working on paying down my debt from my undergraduate degree. So I feel like that's a lot of our conversations as well. But one of the biggest things that we have really gotten into is that generous giving. I spent a lot of time talking to Cody about these really cool ideas that I have that I wish we could do. And he almost always answers them with, why not? And that's just something that has been happening recently because of the way we've been able to allocate and manage our money. So, for example, around Christmas time, we went to get a Christmas tree. And I was thinking about one time where somebody gave us a Christmas tree when I was a kid. My family always got a real Christmas tree every year, and that year we did not get a real Christmas tree. But one of my dad's friends showed up at the door with a Christmas tree, and we got it all set up. And my mom came home, and just the look on her face was the most amazing feeling for me as a child, seeing how much something meant to my mom. And I really wanted to do that for someone else. But I looked at Cody and I said, Christmas trees are really expensive. That's probably something we'll have to do next year. And that was most of the things that I came up with were followed by, but we'll probably have to save up for it or do that later. And Cody was looked at me and said, let's do it. And I was so excited. We did it that day. We went to the Christmas tree farm and it was the most intense pay for the person behind you I have ever been a part of. Because of COVID, they had you pull up in your car and pay from the window. 
And I can't even tell you what that felt like. It was so exciting. I can only imagine when we pulled away, the car behind us, all they needed to do was say, oh, the people in front of you paid, and they would drive away. But as we were driving away, I saw them sitting there for several minutes. And I can only assume that meant that they were paying for the people behind them. And I just got so excited thinking of this really cool thing that happened that we were able to start. And I find that we are doing this all the time now, whether it's something very small, something that costs time but not money, something that we have to budget into our weekly expenses. But ever since going through the program and creating that finish line for ourselves, I don't think of it as giving money away as much as I think of the things that I can do for other people and how that makes the world feel and the people around me feel and not just how it makes me feel. Yeah, I love that story that you shared. And I didn't actually know all those details about that story. One of the things that I think has been really fun for Allie and I to watch, my wife Allie and I, is, you know, <laughs> I when Cody first became a Christian number of years ago, I remember just hearing story after story about how he would just go and talk to a totally random person about, I don't even know what conversations they'd be getting into, but then within a couple minutes, that person would be coming to church with him the next week. And it just happened over and over and over. And, you know, the, he just had a natural gift for drawing people into the church community and into the gospel who didn't have any relationship with with Christ before. And in that same way, I feel like you have this, this gift of a generous heart that just as you are sharing, God had has planted in you from, you know, way, way back. And I, I know that, you know, the, you've been called into these kind of things your whole life. But since you guys have set up this finish line, Allie and I have just watched things explode in your guys' life in this area. And you know, just hearing story after story about things like this, where you guys are just perfectly paired to to make this kind of stuff happen, and and so I think that's one of the you know the wonderful things about a finish line is it just kind of gives you a new kind of freedom to live like that, and you guys are the perfect example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely can admit that before finish line pledge, I had all of these ideas and. No discipline or background to understand how to make them work. And it has been a really tough process to really commit to that finish line, understand what it means for us. But the way that I can really see it put in motion is realizing that all of these great ideas that I've had for so long, I can finally stop thinking about myself stop spending money selfishly and on things that I don't need and really impact other people. And I think that is where I struggled with a little bit in the finish line pledge. Just like earlier when I was talking about how I was hesitant to get baptized because someone was telling me I had to do it, it wasn't until I fully understood what the finish line pledge meant for so many people, especially myself, 
that I could really commit to this awesome idea. Like I said, I really struggled with the idea of setting a percentile and giving away everything after that. It took so many conversations with Cody to really understand what that meant. And it wasn't just giving the money away. It was really impacting other people's lives with money that we don't need. Yeah, I agree. Looking back, it definitely was quite a process going through the conversations and all of the implications of ideas that we were coming up with that weren't fully baked yet. And Keelan, I think you'd agree that's why we felt that it was necessary to create finish line sprints. Yeah, I mean, that kind of change in framework to your whole financial life and in your whole marriage and family and, and everything, it takes a lot of conversation. And that's why I think sprints are really helpful to help guide some of the discussion, uh, both with your spouse or, you know, with a group of people to kind of flush out your thoughts and other people's thoughts and kind of get things set into motion. Also with the sprints, they were really helpful to go through with other people that aren't in your family. I feel like a lot of the time you and Cody got to talk through these ideas and he came to me already with these ideas in his head, not having to work through them as much. But there were a lot of moments in the sprints where I was going through them with other people in our group who had similar ideas and we were able to share how we felt about them and really talk through it together. Obviously also talk through it with Cody, but realizing that I had things in common with other people helped me formulate my ideas to bring to the conversations that Cody and I needed to have. Right. And I got the pleasure of being in that first sprint with you guys. And yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of fun walking through that process with other people. And I agree completely with you, Steph, that just hearing other people's perspectives on it, you know, everybody's going to struggle with the idea of a finish line at different points along the way and in different ways. And like you said, some people are savers and some people are spenders and everybody's different. And so being able to hear how other people are processing through some of those thoughts and ideas, I think is extremely valuable. And like you said, brings a lot to that conversation that then you take back with your spouse and, and try to figure out how you're going to structure your own family and, and your own life. One thing that I wanted to come back to uh, for you guys is I know you had said you're, you're right up close to your finish line. And then you also mentioned that you're still in the process of paying off some debt. And, you know, we've shared before kind of a framework for approaching debt where once you surpass your finish line, then you can start to use all of that excess to really quickly pay off all of your debt in order to be able to be free from debt in order to, you know, give freely and generously. And you guys have taken a slightly different approach on that. And, you know, I'd be interested to hear some of your thoughts from, from either of you. Right. The idea of being completely debt-free aside from our mortgage was very appealing to me. And that was originally my approach was to get our income above the finish line so that we could allocate a lot of money to getting rid of our debt. And that would free us up to have more opportunities to give and impact others. But what I realized is what we were missing out on was the actual giving part, which was the most exciting part, I think, for Steph. So we settled into a reasonable debt payment and projected out when we would be debt-free 
And that gave us a little more wiggle room to start to actually give money away, which is when things actually got much more fun and interesting for us. But we also have a date in mind that we're going to be completely debt-free, again, besides our mortgage. I had to understand that the Finish Flying Pledge was not a chore, and it was not something I had to do. I always feel very guilty when I enjoy doing it because I feel like I'm having the wrong feelings. I wanted to be so involved in the generosity part of it that the debt part I wasn't a huge fan of. And so we had to have a lot of conversations about getting rid of debt so that we could be more invested in the generosity part of it. So it sounds like you guys have kind of a combination approach where you're both trying to pay down debt at an accelerated rate while also using some of that excess to to start giving away now rather than somebody who might be all on one side or the other of that, you know, putting everything towards accelerated debt payments now or putting everything towards giving now and just kind of stretching out the debt as long as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think we learned that as we went through the finish line sprints, how to take these big ideas and kind of adjust them so they worked for our lifestyle. Cody is definitely the saver. I'm definitely the spender. We have debt. I want to give. We kind of mushed them all together in this mold that definitely works for us right now. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And and you know, I think that's really helpful for probably a lot of other people who are in the same kind of position. And I think it's really valid what you said about, you know, it's all the setting up the structure and accounting and all of that is is one side of it. And, and that might appeal to somebody who has kind of a financial-oriented brain. But the being able to be a part of God's story and and all of the little stories that spin off of that and all the ways that he, he calls you to be involved in people's lives and, and in, you know, in motion, that's, that's where all of the, the joy and and fun and purpose and, and meaning is. And so, you know, the sooner that you can dive into that, I think that's what gets you really addicted to the whole process. And, and it sounds like that was what was most helpful for you guys and, and probably many other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. I had a conversation with Cody recently about how I almost felt like I was addicted to giving to other people. I gave some guy my shopping cart in the Aldi parking lot, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just gave a guy my quarter. This is so cool. And it was like, am I supposed to feel this way? Like, I just want to give everything I have. (laughs) So it's definitely been a process. And I have so many emotions. I still am really confused and talk to Cody a lot about it. I talk to you and Allie a lot about it. So it's I definitely don't have it all figured out. But I'm having a lot of fun with all the things that we're able to do because of the finish line pledge. Yeah, I would agree that actually partaking in some of Steph's ideas has made this has given this whole thing new context. 
because I was taking a really structured approach to getting ourselves beyond the finish line and then handling budgets and all that kind of stuff in the way that I would think about retirement savings, which is just save as much as you possibly can, spend as little as you can while not totally being miserable. And that's your key to success. But now I realize that without the giving part, it was it was a chore. And trying to eliminate debt isn't all that exciting along the way. Being debt-free is an exciting goal, but I could tell that it was starting to wear on Steph just saying, oh, we only got eight or nine more months of making really aggressive debt payments before we can start acting on some of your awesome ideas. So when we figured out how to compromise and still aggressively pay off debt while still taking part in the thing that brought us the most joy, that's when all of this really came together. And I wish we discovered that from the beginning because that would make this whole journey all the more interesting. But I know that this is something that we can continue to do for decades and decades to come. Yeah, you guys have a lot of journey to go. So, Steph, I, you know, there's probably a number of people listening who are maybe really excited about the finish line pledge and the whole concept of a, of a financial finish line, and they're on board, they're ready. But their spouse, who they've talked to a little bit about it, is... You know, either completely not interested at all, or at at best, maybe very hesitant to kind of dive into some of this stuff. What would you say to that person? You know, having come from that background a little bit yourself. Yeah, I was definitely hesitant to go through the program with Cody, but I felt like I needed to really understand what it was before I could say. It was something I was or wasn't interested in. I think the thing that worked best for me was I found what part of it really spoke to me. And that was the giving part. And I let that lead me through the journey. And when you find something that is important to you, it really does help you understand everything that falls in around it. One of the things I said to Cody when... I think it was the night before we went through the first program. I looked at him and I said, I hope you're ready to get into a lot of arguments. (laughs) And I just knew, like I said before, I don't do well with being told I have to do something. And I think being aware of the way you learn and the way that you live your life as an individual And having those tough conversations with your spouse with an open heart and an open mind are what is really important to really go through this program and giving it a chance. Well, we're so glad that you could be with us here today, Steph. It's been a lot of fun hearing your story and just hearing how God has worked in your heart in a massive way and in both of your hearts as a couple and and how He's doing some really incredible stuff through your family now, and I'm very excited to see what he does over the next year, five years, 10 years, and just getting to walk along in life beside you guys. So thank you so much for being with us, Steph. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Before we finish up, I just wanted to share our manager minute for the day. Every week, we try to share one quick idea for something you can give to right now with any money you've set aside to give away. And today, we're actually going to have Stephanie share an idea of her own. So, Steph, can you give us an idea for what one of our listeners might be able to give to with any excess that they have? 
Yeah, so the manager minute that I picked for today is very near and dear to my heart, and it is funding individual teachers. Most teachers are given a very small budget to cover all of their classroom costs for the year, usually only about $100 to $250. Most of the materials purchased for a classroom are purchased with our own money. So giving a teacher that you know some extra spending money to buy supplies and classroom materials would be really helpful. I can relate to this a little bit because I'm obviously a teacher, but in teaching in this virtual world, I was given a very generous gift for my classroom. And with that money, I was able to buy a book to give to every fourth grader in my school. They haven't received it yet, but I'm so excited that with this generous gift that I can make an impact in the fourth graders in my community's lives. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Send us any questions you have, and we'll answer them on one of our future episodes. And if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode eight. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.